The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Engaging conversation with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Breaking news with Eileen Bell and sports with Morley Scott. This is the Afternoon News on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. Hey, it's uh, Tuesday, the Tuesday edition of the 6.30 Chat Afternoon News. Jalen Nye, Andrew Gross. Hey, everybody. Good to be uh, back on the airways with you, Jalen Nye. I know uh, yesterday the whole show was about Humboldt. Today we're uh, still dedicating uh, a good portion of the show to Humboldt, but we've got a very special guest coming right up that I'm excited to talk to. Yeah, you know what? After a 15-year run, wow, 15 years, the countdown is on to Rick Mercer's last show. His final report will run tonight, capping 15 seasons and 277 episodes. Always one of our favorite guests. Rick Mercer joins us this afternoon. Hey, Rick. Hello, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm feeling good, actually. <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good. So it'll come as a surprise, I'm sure, to many of our listeners that you're not doing it live tonight. So perhaps No, you... I'm not doing it live. And the reason why I'm feeling good is I was nervous about this rap. Like, how would Dia wrap up a show after 15 years? I'm very proud of the show. I'm proud of the legacy. But I, I wanted to go out right and... One of the interesting things about the show, it's a bit inside baseball, is one guy has edited the entire show, so he knows my material better than anyone else, and he's created these packs that I just think they represent the best of the show, they represent everything I love about the country, everything that I think made the show work, and uh, I'm just super proud of it. If this was the last thing I ever did on TV, I would be happy. You know, Rick, that's an interesting point that you bring up, because from time to time, uh, they undo the chains here at 6.30 Ched, and they let Jay and I have a day off, and I I think it's called statutory holidays or weekends (laughs) or something, right? Uh, But our producer puts together um, our best of, and I'll just, drawing back our own curtain, sometimes I listen to it and think... That's what you thought was the best. <laughs> did you, how much input did you have into what you felt was the best of? Well, I didn't have that much, but the reason why is because it's my show, but it's one of the things about this show that is unique. When I go out on the road and I shoot a segment, and we shoot, say, three or four hours of material, five hours of material, we just send that material off to Al McLean, his name is, and he edits it. He looks at it, he finds the story, and I see it when, like, the day before it goes to air, and I have some notes, maybe, often I don't. Like, he, I've worked with the same guy, he's cut everything I've done for over 20 years, so uh, I don't need to be in a room looking over his shoulder. He's the best. And he's created something that's just, I think, fantastic. You know what, Rick? uh, Lots of questions to talk to you about uh, the report, but I do have to ask you because I suspect that if if it was live, that um, the Humboldt tragedy would be talked about in some way uh, on on the show tonight. What's been going through your mind on that that front? You know, it it would be something that I would be talking about. And I think it's something that's unique about my show, and certainly it's something that evolved. Originally, there's always a rant on the show, and the rant is often about politics. It's often something that makes me angry, or or it's something that's silly or foolish or ironic or something that everyone can relate to. Uh, as time went on, I realized it didn't always have to be funny. If, if mm. The rant was often a place to reflect on 
things that either I was thinking about or especially what everyone in the country was thinking about. And I couldn't see doing an episode this week without discussing that. And uh, I think it speaks volumes about where the country is. You know, we're a country that's so big, and we there's so many differences, East and West, and French and English, and urban and rural, and now we have no, uh, British Columbia and Alberta. Um, so many differences, but when something like this happens, all of that disappears instantly. It just goes away, and everyone in the country reacts the same way, and they react the same way as if those kids were kids from down the street, not six provinces over. Mm-hmm. And I think that speaks volumes about the country, and everyone is feeling the same right now. You know, over the years you've done it, Rick, it's an interesting point you raise. I know we just lost Mike McDonald not too long ago, and one of the things Mike used to like to say all the time is that the job of a comedian is to expose uh, the emperor wearing no clothes. Uh, How often did you battle between the two jobs that I see you as having uh, to both inform and to entertain? Well, I always viewed it as a comedy show, first and foremost, and I I grew to uh, understand that inside that comedy show you could talk about something that was uh, decidedly not comedic inside of the rant um but i always thought it was really important that the show entertain and you know i'm an entertainer you got to entertain and uh, if i didn't want to be on a soapbox the other thing that i i wanted to do if i never went into the show with a mandate but i did have a philosophy from day one and anyone who knows comedy or works in comedy they understand that a, a comedian's instinct is to tear down and destroy and the reason why is your first audience is mom and that's a great audience but your first <laughs> tough audience is your classmates and you get them when you take take down the teacher the joke is at the teacher's expense then you go to the vice principal and if that works well then you're a god you might be in trouble forever but you know like wow um, and then it sets the tone. So when we started the show, sure, when it comes to politics or it comes to what have you, big business, whatever, sure, you, could, you can be as critical as you want. But when it came to the country, when it came to small towns, and a big part of the show was visiting small towns, getting off the beaten track, we were only there to celebrate. And if we weren't willing to celebrate, then we didn't go. So if we're going to Fort Mac, we're going to celebrate. That's it. We're going to find out hmm. why it's a great place. And... When I look back at the five, like over 500 different places I visited wow. in Canada, not to get too actory, but my, my motivation every time is look where I am and it's the greatest place in Canada. And that's something that was consistent over the 15 years, and I think that comes through in the special tonight. Going back to the rant there for just a second, Rick, did you ever believe or do you ever, looking back, believe that you went too far or maybe didn't go far enough? There were always times where I've changed my opinion over the years, but mm. I think that that's only sensible. I think it would be weird to go 15 years and basically have the same opinion. Yeah. Uh, there were a couple of times, not so much in the rant, but there were a couple of times where I thought I said something that probably I shouldn't have and I regretted, and it's only a handful of times, but you know what? In every one of those times, I reached out to the person and uh, apologized, uh, and usually it, it wasn't an issue, and uh, it was... You know, it's something that I was thinking was uh, more of an issue, but uh, I didn't mind doing that. I think that's, uh, you know, I, I think most people do that in their own lives, so you should definitely do it if you say <laughs> something that you regret on TV. You know, Rick, the hardest f- transition, the hardest part of the transition for me from stand-up comedian to radio was artistic license. Right. You know, so on stage you can say whatever, you can exaggerate, you can blur the lines a little bit on radio. You can't. I mean, how big of an artistic license did you give yourself? I had 
a tremendous artistic license. But bearing that in mind, I was very good at, and I don't want to say self-censoring, that's not the term, but I was very aware of the fact that I was on at 8 o'clock mm-hmm. in prime time on network television. So if, if I was the type of person whose, whose mission it was in life to, to say the F word on television, uh, I would be very unhappy at 8 o'clock. That's just something that I never, ever wanted to do. And not only were we aware that we were on at 8 o'clock, but very quickly, about two years in, we realized we had become a family show. And we didn't start out that way. Uh, we, we weren't going to be trying to be outrageous, but I just assumed that it was an adult show. That was kind of the audience that I had from 22 Minutes. And I can remember uh, it was like a year or two in, and I was in Regina, and I said something about Regina, the, the town that rhymes with fun. And we got all this mail, and people were like, you know, I was watching with my 7-year-old, and she got that, or I was watching with my 7-year-old, and he figured that out. And that's the first dirty joke he's laughed at on television. That's not a dirty joke, but for, my reaction was, why are you watching with your 7-year-old? <laughs> that's who's watching. Um, that's a big part of it. And, and the show evolved that way. I can go to a college, and I get 1,100 students to come out and see me. And lots, God knows, lots of 65-year-olds watch, but a lot of my mail would be from 7- and 10-year-olds. It you know, was, it, it's, I think our our texters yeah, are a yeah, lot of, yeah, I was a lot of say, some ten year olds. It's funny because when I or Jay says something on this show and somebody goes, you know, my child was listening mm. when you said that. I'm like, great. I usually text back, well, that's a great opportunity for you to sit down with your child and have a little explain time. Yeah, but I just always it didn't bother me, and I was happy with it. So in terms of artistic license, it never it never bothered me. Uh, but I, I did realize that families were watching, and I didn't want to have them, you know, Mommy, what does autoerotic asphyxiation mean? <laughs> what, why is he saying that? <laughs> I just didn't want to create those situations. That was well said, actually. Yeah, really well done. Never uh, realized it rhymed before today. <laughs> um, Rick, you know, we get, we're, people are texting in. You talked about, uh, you know, the 500 Canadian cities and towns that you'd been to. What did you learn about this country crisscrossing it so many times. Well, I used to, in my act, I used to make fun of the fact that we were a country where there was actually a royal commission in my lifetime trying to figure out what it means to be a Canadian, like <laughs> defining what it means to be a Canadian. I used to do this whole thing about, you know, how stupid it, they have to be if you can't nail what that is. And then when I started this show, I kind of thought that, oh, I'll figure this out. No sweat. And I'm probably more confused about what it means to be a Canadian now than ever. It's, uh, it's something that has confused us since day one. You know, Canadians sit around, they start talking about what it means to be a Canadian. The second they start drilling down, they're talking about how we're not like Americans which is weird. Most countries don't define themselves by how they're not like another country. Mm. But it is weeks like this that you absolutely realize there is a collective uh, consciousness of a nation, and, uh, and that's very important. You know, people have often compared being in Canadian entertainment as being slightly uh, garnering less exposure than, say, U.S. Witness Relocation Program. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So, was there any point at which you wish that that work and effort had gone into an American production that might garner you more attention? No, I've certainly never begrudged anyone who's gone to America because it's the, especially in the entertainment business, because it's the largest English language market in the entire world. And, uh, and it's getting harder and harder to work in media of any kind mm-hmm. in Canada. And I, I'm one of the lucky ones. I, I, you know, my passion was Canadian politics and mm-hmm. comedy. And I, 
was there in the room when 22 Minutes was created. And I can't help but think that I think we did a really good job creating 22 Minutes, but had we not, someone else would have, and then I wouldn't have been part of that train. So I was just very lucky. I just... I. I actually had the opportunity to stay in the country, and I and I didn't have to go to the states. And sure, I've thought about it in the way that you think, like, wow, if I was on TV for 14 years in the states, I'd have a plane. <laughs> <laughs> now I have a car. But uh, but uh, you know, I I've never thought along those lines because I've just considered myself very lucky to be working. I'm a Newfoundlander too, so just working is. The way I was raised was, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. he has a job. That's so, good. For more so than why, just the 26 yeah. weeks to get UIC as That's well. right. Yeah. So why now, Rick? Uh, when did it start to you know roll around in the back of your head that maybe it was time to, to wrap this up? It's been rolling around for a while. TV, if you're lucky, you know, six or seven years is basically the yeah. lifespan of the series, no matter where you are. And so we went into uncharted territory when we hit 11 and 12 years. And I always said, well, then, eventually people will stop watching and the decision will be made for me or I'll not want to do it anymore and the decision will be made and none of those things happened I still love the job and people were still watching but I did realize that I could keep doing this and if I do keep doing this I'll never do anything else and and that would be fine I'd be totally fine with that except I kind of harken back to when I left 22 minutes I did leave the best job in in show business I felt and so that's what I'm doing again, and we'll see what happens. And the stakes are different now. I, I, I mean, I could do something absurd, like write a play. I don't know what I'm going to do <laughs> right away. But, you really uh, don't have a plan, Rick? You're not going to go on tour or anything? There'll be a bit of touring, and there'll be a bit of live stuff, which I'm looking forward to. But uh, I have no real plan right away. People are asking about the possibility of a podcast. Yeah, you know what? Everyone does that. And I'm so late to the game, I'm only starting to listen to podcasts. So 18 months ago, if someone said, why don't you start a podcast? I'd be like, I've heard of these things. What are they exactly? Why but, would you go from national television show to podcast? Well, people are, because people want to keep well, hearing know, them, I know, right? Except, I know, except, you know, there was this act that just came through Toronto, and they were like four nights at Massey Hall, and I was like, I've never heard of that band, and then I Googled them, and they're a podcast. Uh, so, so clearly, it's a thing. Well, it's, <laughs> it's, it's clearly thing, a thing. Right. It just seems to me, from my perspective, it's a step backwards. Uh, last well, question. From my perspective, too, but that's an entire, that's a generational yeah. thing. I, I, well, I, absolutely. That's my reaction, too. I think, well, why would I do that? There's a lot of people. to a dictaphone? Yeah, is there's that a lot of that is? people saying that that's the future, though, right? That is the future of this. So. No, people are saying, what's a dictaphone? Is what yeah. Saying. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's stored next to your teletype. It. Yeah. Uh, Rick, did want to ask you one other thing, kind of cycling back a little bit here, but. Prior to social media, um, in the time between conventional news and social media, there was the comedian and there was the late night talk show host. And it worried me for a time that that's where younger people were getting their news. And, and now it worries me even more that many are getting their news from memes yeah. uh, on, uh, yeah. you know, on social media. Did you did you ever feel the the weight of the responsibility of knowing that some people would only actually get the news from you? Well, I always thought that if you interview, especially young people, if they do surveys and say, do you get your news from, say, me or from Stuart or one of these people, people would say yes. But I would think a lot of times people are just saying that because they think it's a clever answer, and plus uh, they're, they're voicing their their 
their uh, unhappiness with mainstream mm. news, maybe. But I think someone who watches my show or watches John Stewart, they do watch the news because you get the setup from the news and the punchline from the satirist. Mm -hmm. It's like I can't see, imagine anyone saying, I pick up the newspaper, I only look at the editorial cartoon, and I don't look at the front page. <laughs> well, you're not going to know what's going on. But I'll tell you this, uh, if someone did just get their news from us, we made sure we always told the truth. We never made things up. Uh, you know, we never altered the facts to fit the joke. We always told the truth. The problem now, like you say, with the memes, and the, there's, there's all these people who just create falsehoods on social media. It's, and it's happening in politics now, too. I mean, I have Doug Ford running here for the, you know, the next premier of Ontario, and he might very well win. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's a good thing or a bad thing, whether you're ideologically aligned with him or not is irrelevant. But he's, he's saying things like, no politician in Ontario has ever created as many jobs as me. <laughs> yeah. You go, well, what do you mean? That's yeah. completely absurd. Yes, you're a business person. Yes, your father had a label company. Yes, it's successful. But no poli and then he said, no politician has done more for the black community in Canada than me. Like, you're a one-term <laughs> city councillor. Like, no offense, I'm sure you were great. I'm sure you were fantastic with the black community. But how can you say that? And just people just go, oh, apparently he's done more than anyone has ever done <laughs> in the, the history of Canada. Rick, in one term as a counselor. We're uh, running out of time, but uh, some people, and I'm going to just throw a couple questions at you really quick, and they're questions I'm sure you've been answering all week, so that shouldn't be difficult at all. Your favorite guest ever? Uh, well, my favorite repeat guest, Jan Arden, because uh, she's just such a sport. She's mm -hmm. so much fun, and that's uh, what's coming. Your worst guest ever? I can't tell you because, you know, celebrate, celebrate. Yes, best memory. Uh, I think throwing Rick Hansen off a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> Only because I respect him so much. <laughs> I saw today that the Royal Canadian Air Force had put something up on their Facebook page thanking you as well for your support of the military and for your time as an honorary colonel in the Air Force. And uh, your commitment to the military has uh, certainly been noted across this country as well. Well, I could have put a whole hour together just of uh, a great men and women in uniform that I've had on the show over the years. Uh, that's, uh, that's always been a no-brainer for me. Where I grew up, there was lots of soldiers around, lots of people who made their careers in the Canadian Forces. So, uh, yeah, that was always a no-brainer. Well, Rick, when you do that tour that you don't have planned at all and it makes a stop in Edmonton, we hope you'll make a stop here at 6.30. Chad, love to have another conversation with you in person. That would be fantastic. Thanks for all your support over the years, and I hope people tune in tonight. I'm very proud of this special. I'm as proud of it as anything I've ever done. Awesome, Rick. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. Rick Mercer wrapping up the Rick Mercer Report. Uh, final show tonight, capping 15 seasons, 277 episodes. Uh, it's on that other network, CBC, this <laughs> evening. Thanks to Rick Mercer for joining us again. Uh, the last Rick Mercer report airing this evening. Some breaking news coming in right now regarding the Humboldt Broncos bus crash. The trucking company that contracted the semi-truck involved in that crash has been suspended pending an investigation. Adesh Diol Trucking Limited was suspended indefinitely by the Alberta Transportation Ministry pending an investigation. That has been confirmed by Alberta Transport Minister Brian Mason. No. Officials say this is standard procedure anytime a commercial carrier is involved in a significant or high-profile incident that poses a high risk to the public. 
Again, it is still too early to speculate on the cause of that collision. A government source has said an RCMP officials wouldn't comment on the investigation as it was still underway. So the Alberta Transportation Ministry saying it will uh, help the government of Saskatchewan in the investigation into the crash, will conduct uh, um, their own investigation into the company. Officials said the company had been inspected as recently as February and March and passed inspection. And maybe you can explain what that suspension means. Yeah, suspension for a company like that when they've found uh, or they suspect that there's something at fault, that means they ground the company's entire fleet. So we don't know how big this company is. It was only formed a couple of months ago, two, three months ago, uh, so likely not a not a huge company. I know that... Uh, uh, Adesh Diol Trucking had two trucks in operation uh, before the crash, but I don't know how large their overall fleet is. But and out all of trucks will be, yeah, and based out of Calgary, all trucks will be suspended. They'll be inspected, as will be the truck that was involved in the accident. All righty, so that is the latest breaking news. Of course, Eileen Bell is going to have more uh, coming up in the two thirty news. The six thirty Chad afternoon news with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross weekdays at two on six thirty Chad.